Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to the Big Hawker Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Listen, we have turned the calendar into February, and that means that people have begun to chase that white devil. Snow goose conservation season is firing up, and Pacific Calls has got a call that you need. It is their snow trooper uh, snow goose call. It will help you. Let's say that your dad gum, your e-caller goes out, and then all of a sudden you got to call these damn things in with a mouth. Snow Trooper, it's the way to go. Also, spring turkey season is right around the corner. We'll be chasing those gobblers before we know it. And Pacific Calls has also rebranded their turkey line. They got a lot of cool mouth calls coming out. Uh, really, really cool uh, pot calls that they've redesigned and uh, box calls. So be checking that out on uh, PacificCustomCalls.com. And you can save 25% off of your order using the promo code BHP25. What do they want, Jeff? Mossberg shotgun. That's right. You can get a Mossberg. We have been shooting the Mossberg 940 all season. Great shooting gun. It handles the sand. I have said for years, if you want to torture test your product, come out here, put it in the sand, and see how it does. And so far, Mossberg has done very, very well. We are excited to be a part of them, so you need to go check them out at Mossberg. If you see them at your local uh Sporting Goods Store, Academy, or Bass Pro, Cabela's, Shields, wherever the hell you shop at. Check it out. It's good looking. It's a good shooting shotgun. Also, we're brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, all made in America. Copper-plated bismuth. It is the way to go. Uh, it only takes one. And I'm telling you what, they've changed the game. And we are very, very excited uh, to be a part of their team. They're great people over there at Michigan, up there at Michigan. And they make a great product, uh, copper-plated bismuth. Can't wait to see what's coming out next for the boys at Boss. Yep, they are constantly re-engineering their shotgun shells. Uh, Brandon and them, they have figured out how to make the 3.5 blend just a little bit more effective. So that'll be fun to shoot here in the coming months. Check them out, BossShotShells.com. Also, we're brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. The end of hunting season is here. We're packing away trailers more and more every day. It has never been easier than it is right now that we have been running Dive Bomb Industries. Everything is in its bags. You just clean out your trailer, and then all the bags just they store up nice and neat. Pretty simple. It's effective, and it kills birds. What else can you ask for? Check them out, Dive Bomb Industries, and they just released the dates for Squad Fest Part 3. So go check, go check that out on their uh, website. Also, we're brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. Take care of that four-legged hunting buddy of yours. Uh, get the field trauma kit, keep the it quick, in your truck, quick release system, the watering kit. Lou got dehydrated. I haven't been giving him enough water. So now I make sure that every morning I have the, uh, gun dog water bottle with me. Um, it's a nice little nifty little gadget, uh, that I keep with me to make sure that he stays hydrated. So, um, take care of your hunting buddy. He saved you a lot of hunting. He saves you a lot of steps every single year. So the least you can do is get him some cool stuff to go along with you every day gundogoutdoors.com also we're brought to you by shin gear waiters they are not just a waiter company anymore they have jackets and a super secret product that i have been torture testing all year long that i think everybody is going to be very very excited about uh so more details on that to come but you know that to say it's bib i can't say what it is um but they do have jackets out right now that are really really nice uh waterproof and not just a waiter company anymore, Jeff. They're they're growing and evolving. So that's really, really exciting to see. Check them out at shingear.com. 
Uh, and the rubber boots are very, very nice too. So they got all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what you need. Shingear.com. It's all great. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. Best spinners on the market and best A-frames that are on the market. The Lucky Duck 2x4 blind. It is uh, fits four grown men. Holds grass well. Uh, all of the above. Get the tops if you're hunting cranes. You're going to need them. And spinners are out of this world. They can all sync up to a remote. Waterproof. What else could you? What what else do you want, Jeff? They've got a swimmer. They've got it all. Check them out, LuckyDuck.com. And the best blinds in the market. We are proudly brought to you by the Looking Glass Podcast. We just had Logan and Rebel out. Great guys. You can go to Patreon, type in Looking Glass Podcast, donate to their Patreon account, and you'll get their entire library of debauchery. So um, they're great people, hilarious, um, and it is a fun podcast to listen to. So. Go to Patreon right now. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. Also, we're brought to you by the HuntProof app. Uh, it is a digital way of logging your hunts, and you can have them forever. You can log how many birds you killed, uh, weather, upload pictures. It's a great little uh, reminder. You can always show your little grandchildren uh, how you used to lay the hammer down a long time ago. So... Go to the HuntProof app and set up an account today. It's great. We're also brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialty. Uh, if you have a product in mind that you think could revolutionize the waterfowl world, send them a mock-up of it and they can build it right there in Mississippi. So uh, good people there at Alpha Outdoor Specialties and go check them out. Also, we're brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. Brandon is a go-getter. He is a recording music artist along with the other bunch of other hats that he wears and he makes a great taste in whiskey you can find it uh all over the place now if it's not in your local uh liquor store you can get it online several different places you can get it online so go check it out at bangtailwhiskey.com also we're brought to you by dirty duck coffee it's the way we start our day out here every single day the missouri boat ride blend it's, uh, it's my go-to of choice, and it gets us properly fueled for our morning. DirtyDuckCoffee.com. Uh, they've also got cool-looking swag, everything that you can imagine. It's how we start our day out here every single day at the Big Hawker Watch. We're also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. We are proud to be associated with them. They have put ducks back into the skies by the millions. What a better organization to... Uh, there would be no ducks without Ducks Unlimited tie yourself to so uh if there is a ducks unlimited program anywhere in your area i would highly uh, would highly advise you to get involved in any way that you can all the money goes right back into the duck habitats and we get to hunt them in the fall so great organization ducks unlimited we're also brought to you by double t british kennels Corey has got a great little bloodline there cool little british labs we've hunted over them all winter long and they haven't missed a beat so if you're in the market for a new puppy, started dog, finished dog, or maybe you've got a stubborn dog that you need a little bit of training, get a hold of Corey at Double T British Kennels, and he'll be happy to help you out. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. If you need dates, call now. Pig hunting. I've got some hog hunting dates left. <laughs> Unguided hog hunts come in on Thursday, leave on Sunday. $600, kill three pigs per person with lodging. I've got, I can do a group up to 12 people. We can do, we do bachelor parties. We do private groups all the time. You're the only people here at the lodge. If you're interested in them, I've got some dates left still for late April. And I think I've got one date left, one weekend left in March. Anyways, holler at you on an unguided hog hunt. Thank you for listening to us. God bless y'all and have a great week.
Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Mr. Jeff Coates, uh, Pit Boss Waterfowl up there in Maryland. He's one of the most well-known and well-respected sea duck hunters uh, that there is right now. So very, very fun to have him. We had him on uh, back in the early days of the podcast, but it's been a minute. So it's fun catching up with him. Hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, go check out everything he's got going on. Pit Boss Waterfowl on Instagram. Cool guy. Here he is, Jeff Coates. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Mossberg. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world famous Andy Shaver. <laughs> you still look like you're on Island Time, dude. I'm telling you right are you now. What are you wearing? I'm wearing a shirt. It's a Columbia shirt. It's 40 degrees outside. You're wearing it's shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. You know what? I just got back from the tropics. I'm going back you're to the tropics in a couple weeks. I got me a little tan going. You're I'm happy as hell. You look like Rudolph. I don't care. My nose is red, some bitch boy. I got sunburn <laughs> like a mother. So Michelle said, look like an alcoholic walking around here. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in sunscreen. I, evidently not. I'm Italian, so well, that, you we know, get dark. Hey, listen, we uh we were we kind of evolved with the sun from early man, and uh now all of a sudden there are a lot of skin cancer cases. So well, maybe there's something maybe they're putting something in the sunscreen. I'm gonna tell you right now, I have had lived a great life. A great life. If God decides to take me, then he's gonna take me. And I'm going to do whatever I can to prevent that as long as I can. But I've had a good life, and I'm also not wearing sunscreen. I don't like that greasy shit, so I ain't wearing it. Our guest today from the East Coast. I'm with you. Probably no the, sunscreen either, Jeff Coates? Shit, no. He ain't wearing a sunscreen. No. Look at him. He's not a, he's not a sunscreen guy either. Probably the most. All the time about it. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. The <laughs> most famous waterfowl hunter on the East Coast, Mr. Jeff Coates. How are you doing, Jeff? You're way too kind, man. I think that just means that I am old. How about that? <laughs> well, I didn't say the youngest man. <laughs> I'm doing very, very good, very well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys. Now, we're, we're excited to have you back on. So we did a little digging, and it's been a while since uh, since you've been on here. So it truly, it truly has. Episode 35 is what you said, and we are what 670. Ah, uh, something like that. Yeah, we've put a few down there. Now, is, are the building you're in right now is that the new is that the new headquarters for Pit Boss? Pit Boss World Headquarters, which is really our house, but yes. That is, you got a lot of square footage in there, it looks like. Yeah, there are uh, 18-foot ceilings right in here where we're at. This is a 52 by 104, and then it's Barn Dominion. And then the uh, the living space is 50 by 40 or 40 by 50, however you'd like to say it. And then uh, we got 10-foot ceilings in there, and then there's a second level there that's got 9-foot ceilings up, up above us. Uh, the attic trusses are some big, big pitches on the roofs here, so we're trying to maximize our space. I have followed you on Instagram on all the building and the construction guys. And I, the thing that impressed me the most was the guys were doing work in the wintertime. And I always thought nobody did any construction work in the north in the wintertime. They, these guys are nonstop, nonstop. I was very impressed. And uh, it's been a project that kind of 
kind of stepped on myself a little bit. Uh, this whole Pitbulls Road headquarters thing, the county knew. Evidently, they filed along very well, too. They knew what we were doing before. Uh, you know, it kind of, it's a double-edged sword, how about? But anyway, um, yeah, the whole Pitbulls Road headquarters, the, the zoning girls asked the builder, Chris Wilhelm, whole building, Outfitters, he, she says, this Pitbulls Ford headquarters, are there going to be like 20 vehicles there every day? And he just laughed. He said, no, that's just Jeff. That's Jeff. It, it, it's, it's going, it is going to be his world headquarters, but at, at the same time, it's their house. So. so so the county, they hit you up after seeing your stuff on Instagram. Isn't it amazing how the fucking government tries to tax us on everything and just it just blows ta- my mind? Ta- tax is a good word. Tax is a good word to use 100%. Theft. Um, Thievery. Theft. Theft, tax, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, like it's it's kind of. I, I I guess maybe I uh, I am I put too much out there possibly and or the cart before the horse possibly I don't know. I'm the same kind of guy. I'm a cart before horse guy all the time too. You know, we didn't do a uh, we always do a football pot around here and we haven't the last two years because of all the Venmo bullshit. It's the taxing, you know, they want to tax everything. Well, if guys want to send somebody $50 for a football square and then whoever wins gets $5,000 sent back to them, they want to tax that shit. And it just, I, I'm so tired. I haven't even done one in the last two years. Cause I don't want to deal with all that bullshit, but it's the same crap all the freaking time. They just tax, tax, tax you to death. And now they're going to be going after all those ladies that sell 35 year old pieces of furniture for $50 on a trading deal. They're going to want to tax that $50 again. They just, they just, it's a never ending thievery by our government all the time. So we can send money somewhere else just really pisses me off. Agreed. Um, and now I saw that they're doing something with like waitresses or tips, basically. Oh, they want to tax the shit out of them people. I've not read what it is, but there's going to be something where you have to report tips or you're supposed to. Have you ever seen a waitress or a waiter? Now, I'm going to probably make some people mad. I'm not trying to because I'm on your side. Have you ever seen a waitress or waiter, a waiter that are members of the of exclusive country clubs, private, fly private jets, have a yacht? Hell no. Leave the people alone. They're just trying to make a living. Yeah. You know, if you really wanted a good stimulus package, just, you know, quit taxing us. That'd be a nice little bonus. Yeah, we, we got plenty of money. So have you seen any of these spaceships get sh- or any of this shit going on in the air? You're out in the ocean a lot. A lot of dark skies in the mornings. Have you ever seen anything weird like this shit that's going on right now? Uh, not not like that. No, just south of us, Ocean City is Wallops Island uh, in Virginia. They do shoot off a lot of rockets down there, so we it is pretty cool to see them when you do see them early morning. Um, and offshore fishing, I've seen a couple things that in the past that were very odd, but recently, no. That, that's some crazy stuff going on. Okay, my question. I don't know shit about yes. sea duck hunting. Me and Andy are coming east this year, going to film a series, and we can't. I, we're not really getting. I don't want to put cart, the cart, before, cart the horse. before the horse. I, I don't want to do the cart before the horse all the way. But anyways, <laughs> I'm going to try to schedule something with you here's, sometime this here's winter. Here's the cart before the horse. But my question is <laughs> proverbial. Does winter affect the sea ducks, the weather, as much as it does the uh, puddle ducks and diver ducks? In my experience, no. I would tell you it does not. It, it does influence. Can we get out on the ocean 100 percent? You know, wind makes waves kind of thing. But it uh, the peak migration here on Atlantic Flyway for scoters specifically is like the last week of October, first week of November. And it could be 80 degrees and you're going to see thousands of scoter flying south. So it's it's really not scoter, not so much. Uh, you, you know, the eider, old squall, those birds are a little more weather driven. But, but scoter, no, I, they fly on the calendar. What about full moon? Does it affect the divers like it does the other? I mean, the um, ocean ducks like it does the uh, regular ducks too? 
Uh, to, to me, it does. Where, where we're hunting them, the Delaware Bay, is, the mouth is to the north of us, about 45 miles. The mouth of the Chesapeake Bay in Virginia is about 120 to the south. There, if, if I, when you guys come and I take you, there are no birds sitting. We're actually, if you want to call it running traffic, there's birds trading back and forth early season. I do call it that they're migrating you know, mid-season on. They're just kind of traveling back and forth. Uh, but I do, I do believe on the moon does affect does affect their flight like that. Yes. Now, how has the season been this year? Did you have a? I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of people have been out with you in your boat. Was it a, a success of a year this year? It, it was a good year, and uh, specifically, we just didn't. I mentioned wind earlier. We did not have a lot of a lot of hard winds, so I only lost in my sixty days. I only lost six days to, to wins. So it wasn't bad this year in the Atlantic flyway was the first season that there was no special sea duck season. So, uh, way back in the day, uh, the special sea duck season was 107 days long. It was a seven bird limit. Um, in that seven birds, they reduced, the you couldn't have more than four scoter. Um, the seven years ago, they reduced the special sea duck season from 107 days down to 60 days and went from seven birds to five total sea ducks with no more than four of anything. So then there was a, an old squall limit in there of four, eider limit of four, and obviously the, the Scoter State four. And this is the first year that there is no special sea duck season. So whatever state that you're in, when duck season's open, that's when you can target sea ducks. And specifically in Maryland, in the Atlantic Flyway, it was a six bird limit. And in the six birds, you could not have more than four sea ducks out of the six. And in that four sea ducks, you couldn't have any more than three uh, three seed, uh, three, one species. So three of any one species, excuse me. So my scoter got reduced from four birds to three. Well, I've, I've got to do a hunt with you because our camera guy, Rick Keller is always telling me how hard it is to shoot these ducks on these sea duck the, on, on these sea boats. Cause you're moving. Cause you're moving. He said, you just, it's not that guy. I said, them guys are fucking horrible shots. Jeff calls a shot and it's boom, 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 boom. And then somebody cripples one a lot of time. I said, how fucking hard is it? He said, you don't understand. He said, you're jumping up and down the whole time you're shooting. Right. So I've taken it as a challenge that I've got to do this to see how hard this really is. Cause they, they say it's really hard to shoot these ducks in this boat. It, uh, it it is hard to it's hard to prepare for it 100 percent because you're not you're not on a stable the, the boat's very stable but it's it's not a stable platform in the sense of you know the boat does move right uh, this year specifically on Instagram man like it, it's gotten it got I usually don't attract negativity I don't think <laughs> or negative comments and this year man it, it was it's been harsh um, there's been a, been a lot of people that evidently think it's super easy to, to shoot sea ducks in a moving boat. So I wonder if it's uh, because the camera's relatively still, so they're not getting like. I mean, and you gotta you gotta figure it. You gotta factor in like a lot of these guys, you know, especially like me. You know, anytime I shoot, I'm from it's it's a solid position, so there's not even a little bit of sway. And I mean, it doesn't take just a whole lot of movement to throw you off just that little bit to put you behind that bird. Yeah, but you're not a good shot anyways. No, I'm not anyway, but uh, you know, I'm I, I'm just saying that you know, you you put somebody uh, a land-bearing creature like myself on this boat and like just a little bit of torque, it's going to throw it's going to throw things off quite a bit. People are nasty on the internet now. I don't know. We've gotten through COVID and like I thought we'd be all kumbaya, but we have reverted back to just being douches. I think people just are just First of all, nobody's worried about getting an ass whooping anymore. Back a long time ago, you had to tell somebody something negative to their face, and you get a right. chance you got to get a tooth knocked loose. Nowadays, it's real simple to sit in the basement and talk shit on a computer. 
Yeah. And so I, I think that's got a lot to do with it. And I just can't imagine sitting at home all day just to rip somebody on their videos. You know, I like I notice people that can't shoot on your video some, but I ain't going to sit on a computer and say, hey, unless you're Tom Knapp, I don't need to be talking shit about anybody about their shooting because I'm not a great shot either. But I just can't imagine having that much time to just go talk shit about somebody. 100%. And I, you know, used to be, there is a little bit of like just anti-hunters, right? But it's the negative, negative comments are not, it's not anti-hunters. It's people that are critiquing, critiquing the guys that, you know, guys that are shooting. And, and Andy, the, the thing I think too, the, the movement of the boat, the torque of the boat, the other thing is there's, there's no, there's no, it, there's nothing there relative, right? It's, we're in the right. Atlantic Ocean, you know, 100 yards looks like 50 yards looks like 200 yards, right? Mm -hmm. At 200 yards, I'm exaggerating. But my point is, there's, it's really, there's nothing, there's nothing there. I'm always saying, let them get here, let them get here. The birds are coming right at them, and somebody's standing up. They're, they're 100 yards away, and guys think that they're, they're close. And they start shooting at them, right? So there is, there is, uh, you can't say, hey, across the pond is 100 yards. So you know, anything, you know, half, halfway in, we're good to go, kind of thing. And, and it is, I see it, you know, I see it daily. And it, it's not that people aren't bad shots. It's just they're just not used to doing it. How, yeah, how far reference? How far are your decoys out from the boat? Windy days, I can have the, I could go with two strings of birds, and have them close to the boat. Within when I say close, that I mean the, the outside line's twenty five yards away, and you can't keep the birds out of the decoys. Wow. On flat, on flat, no wind days, the birds, you know, the decoys aren't moving. The boat is sitting still, and we're just sitting there in a boat, thirty thirty two <laughs> foot boat there, right? I mean, it's it's not small, and uh, on windy days, it is it is a little harder. The, the shots can be rangy, as I like to say. Rangy. But, uh, general, <laughs> Yeah, rangy. Generally, typically, you know, I, I would think that the shots are inside thirty-five yards. That's doable. That, that's cool. How, I, can do, I can do that. What, what weird ducks you shoot this year? Anything? What? T tell us some stories about some puddle ducks, because you told me one time y'all shoot some widgeon out there sometimes. Yeah, that we saw a lot of wood ducks this year. Um, basically, you know, if you think of, and I do believe this, that birds kind of travel a straight line. Obviously, New Jersey, Long Island, New York, uh, the rest of the East Coast is north of us, but it's also to the east of us. So, like, if you took a line, a map, a chart, and draw a line from Long Island to North Carolina, that that straight line is way off our coast. So you see, you, you see all kinds, all kinds of birds. And back in the 107 days when we'd be out there mid-October on, there was a tremendous amount of teal that would fly with common scoter. Um, you know, they're different body size. They're, evidently, they're kind of a wing speed kind of synced up and and we saw a lot of teal like green wings green wings yes heading south those little bastards are fun they are that's a fun duck to shoot probably the funnest heading duck to shoot yeah now what uh you said you only lost six days for win this year is that is that like unheard of like most of the time what would you say is pretty typical for you to uh lose to wind well, specifically to compare it to last year, we had a lot of uh, storms that were coming up the coast. Maybe wanted to be like those late hurricane, late season hurricanes. A lot of south wind. Our 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 coast is really northeast to southwest. Has a little bit of curve to it. So anything that's blowing in, it doesn't take much wind for it to to be rough. Uh, and last year, like I said, we just had those a lot of those late season storms that were trying to be hurricanes coming up the coast. That we we did lose a lot of days last year. Um, I kind of jinxed myself. October, November, those splits that we had. It was perfect. I didn't lose a day. And then once we got into specifically January, it, it kind of started to catch up a little bit with us. But. Yeah. Um, did you goose hunt at all this year? Like, you know, in the mainland? Because the limit's one in Maryland, right? 30-day season, one bird. Yeah, no, I, I do. In Maryland, I do not goose hunt. Not I, your jam? Canada, Canada, we do, but not not in uh, 
not not in Maryland. Not uh, they're talking about it's going to go a 45 day season, two birds again. So if that does, that'll be that'll be something specifically for me, maybe in the afternoons. But uh, 30 30 day, I do have some diehard goose friends that specifically hunt Delaware and Maryland for the one bird. So Stoner's back there right now, and he's like, man, it just it's kind of. It's kind of hard to get out of bed for one bird. Oh, is their season still open? Well, when he was there. After, oh, okay. At Christmas time. Here. No, just even after oh. he left here. I think they went for a couple of days and he was like, oh, one bird. It's kind of, because you got to set all the same, you got you to do the same amount of work. Whether you shoot one or 121, that's what I tell people. The same amount of effort goes into it, right? Yeah, it's a lot of work for one so bird. He's just kind of like, oh, I don't know about this. You see, I, I think that, that one is, is not enough. I will agree with on that. But like these eight, like in Oklahoma where we hunt at, we can kill eight geese. That's too many damn geese. First of all, too it's too much pressure on the birds. Cut it down to five. You're not going to lose any customers if you go to five birds over eight birds. I mean, it's just the way it is. Everybody's like, well, customers want to shoot more birds. Well, let's be realistic. If you make the limits five and you shoot five birds, they're happy as shit. You got 10 guys kill 50 birds. If you're not happy with that hunt, something's wrong with you. Just like the guys that are doing the snow goose hunts right now. There are going to be a lot of people that go to Arkansas to do this spring snow goose hunt that are going to shoot zeros telling you right now zeros to 10 birds is going to be the average hunt there are going to be some guys that shoot 200 birds and 160 and 180 but the reality is they could make it a three bird snow goose limit and a lot of days you wouldn't even shoot your limit on the snow on the spring snow goose hunts so you know take it for what it is enjoy being out with your friends and don't make it about shooting 200 snow geese yeah i'm trying to help the snow goose guys out should be about the experience that that that's right Yep, yeah. 100%. Um, and I've talked to a lot of guys in Arkansas right now, and it uh, looks kind of bleak. The hunting's not very good. I hadn't seen no pictures. I didn't even think about that until just now. I talked to some guys last week. And it was tough we're, hunting? We're, we're, we've got some scheduled for March, and um, they're not happy right now. Is it just no birds or the hunting hard or what? And it's wet. Well, No, no birds and it's wet. It's always wet in Arkansas. No, no, no birds in its wet. A lot of so, moist there. Yeah, a lot of blank skies and wet fields. Jeff is an old-fashioned waterfowl hunter. Do you want to go to snow goose hunting and lay down in the mud in Arkansas, or does that not appeal to you these days? So you, you say that. Uh, Karen and I were headed there last year. Uh, some flights, some weather. We didn't get down there. The trip we were going to do last year just took place. Friends went back down. Um, Buster Cooper, he's doing it more of like the uh, kind of the big spread – very comfortable blinds and and that 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 does appeal to me very much. Me too. I'll do that. Yeah, to go and lay in the mud. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to sound like you know, almost sound old, but that sounds that sounds like something I don't want to do. Yeah, it sounds miserable. Me too. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Now, if I could go to a place and they had a pit with ten thousand decoys out year round, or just during waterfowl season they put out, and a heated pit, and they said, "Hey, we're going to be here. We're going to turn on the Van Halen speakers, and you can sit here," I would be all about that. But I am not interested in doing laying in the mud. One hundred percent. The uh, we lost your video. There we go. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're sorry. Good. About you're good. Yeah, it was the uh, call coming in. Um, the three days they shot seventy two. The first day, like ninety mid nineties. The second day and mid thirties uh, yesterday. That's, that's a really, really good hunt. That's a really good hunt. Yeah, I mean it from a station. You know, blinds that are very comfortable. You know the the. Everything's out. It's a little, very little effort to do it, and uh, we 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 called it big rigging. We would do that here, you know, put out put out half tires that were painted white. Nobody would steal them. Nobody, you know, they wouldn't blow away. They were there all the time, 
And yeah, here, you know, if you went and shot four or five birds, that was like a really good morning. Um, and that's, that's, uh, you know, kind of a lazy way of doing it, but you know, it was a way that you could, you could do it every day with, with very little effort. Half tires, spray painted white. So cut a tire in half, yeah. flip it, you know, flip it inside out. Right. Mm-hmm. And just turn, have it, have it be white. And <laughs> <laughs> Isn't you, it crazy? I, I mean, just when you think about the, the, the stuff that we have now and for the longest time, people were just putting out fucking sheets and cutting tires in half and spray painting them white and it worked just fine and nobody stole their shit nobody stole that's their what's shit. horrible and a hunter should not have to worry about another hunter stealing his shit and who's going to steal it yeah Somebody another would. hunter right. exactly yeah 100 but it's just it's just crazy when you hear you know stories like that it's like yeah we used to kill them over tires cut in half that was that was the extent of our technology spray painted it white when when i was a kid we used to hunt Lake Wichita outside of Wichita Falls. And I don't even know if they let people hunt there anymore. And we had some really good duck shoots. But there was an old man there that used to leave his decoys out year-round. He probably had three dozen duck decoys. You'd go around the bend and the cattails, and he'd be there every day. And really? Yeah. And just, but they were there all the time. But Couldn't nobody, do that now. Nobody, well, no, nobody would steal shit back then. You know, people just had respect. And, what, and a little bit of pride. A lot of pride back then. That's another thing. We we don't have much pride. So uh, on your six days that you couldn't hunt because it was too windy, what exactly? What, how's that day work out for the customer? What do you do? If we don't go, and I, I get to ask this a lot, Jeff. If we don't go, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I have a conscience. I don't. I don't steal people's money, right? So if we don't go, I you know. Pay. So but this year, actually, quite often they they showed up here. That's kind of one of the concepts to what we're trying to do here is to have a place to you know start to hunt, end to hunt, that kind of thing. Um, you know, socialize, uh, cook a little bit, eat a little bit, drink a little bit, that kind of thing. But yeah, it just turns into days um, that, that we can't go. And, and the backup spots that I have that would normally be good, the past two or three years, there's just not a lot of birds there. Um, and again, like my conscience, I, I kind of feel like I'm charging a premium price. And I, I'd rather not take your money than you say, what did we just, what did we just go do that I just paid for kind of thing, right? right. Um, I had to, a fellow called me the other day. He called it a, a goat roping. So he was here local with somebody else, and he's like, "Man, the stuff, you know, this the, the, it's like robbery, you know, just taking somebody's money for nothing." So we, uh, I had a, I had a hunt this year that I tried to cancel, and I told the guy, I said, "It's it's not going to be any good." I said, "The hunting's tough right now," and um, I said, "We have birds, but they all got PhDs." And he goes, oh, we want to hunt, we want to hunt. So we hunted, and it was not a very good hunt. And he goes, you mean you're going to charge me full price? Yeah, I tried to cancel your damn hunt with you. I didn't want you here. But, you know, I told you that because the hunting was tough. And then, you know, the day after he left, we had a great shoot again. I mean, it was just crazy. But I said, but I tried to do that. But I'm not going to, yeah, I'm going to charge you full price because we went and hunted. My guides went out and worked. I got to pay them. I got to pay the farmer to hunt. We worked, you know. And and so if, if we're going to hunt, you know, if I'd have told you no, then no, I wouldn't have charged you a thing. But we hunted. So, yeah, you got to charge people. And, and that's what really gets me was when people get mad when you try to do the right thing, and then they get mad. They get mad if you try to cancel, and then they get mad if you don't have a good hunt, and then you want to charge them. For, well, I told you. You know, and it does hurt hard, man. I, I, I do this. I'm doing this to make money, right? This yeah. is not I, – I enjoy doing it, but at the same time, not to make it about money. It's about money. Yes. Right? And, and it's just – yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's a real fine line there that you know it's to, again it's a fine line that I always try to err on the 
on the side of doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. I saw a guy bitching about some snow goose hunting the other day, and he said, well, they're just in it to make money. No shit. <laughs> you think they want to go lay in the mud and work their ass off all day for nothing? Take all that shit you know? out there? You're a plumber. Do you want to go fix somebody's shitty pipes for nothing? No. Mm-hmm. It's a job. You know, It is in the entertainment business, but that's what you're paying for. You know? Shit. That's like going to Las Vegas and goddamn, I just want to win my money. Well, yeah, they didn't build them big fucking casinos because they're losing. 100%. It's about profit. Yeah, it's just a, it's a tough, a tough way. And, and I've, I've thought of, tried to come up with other, like, is there some insurance out there for myself? Do I, you know, do I strongly suggest people to buy travel insurance, trip insurance? I, I, I really have not found the answer to, to how to, uh, I guess there really is no answer, but you know, to try to make it a little easier. Yeah. Just, you know, and like you, you, you've got the right attitude and, you know, you try to do things the right way and, you know, you're upfront with people and, you know, all you can do is what you can do. So tell me about your beer because I've got to have a little bit of it. I've got to have a couple, uh, couple cans. Yes, sir. Pit, pit boss. How? Here, I mean, it is. Uh, it is a very, very good beer. Thank you, thank you. If, if for nothing else, the the can looks. The cool, can right? looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, just, how did it, we come up with this? Uh, G at Finn City. Finn City Breweries in Ocean City, Maryland. Kind of, uh, he, he loves to do, they, they're uh, Ocean City's oldest brewery. They're a very small brewery, uh, and they like to do things with kind of in a local uh, flair. More fishing than hunting, and, and it's, we've been talking the past couple of years, like, man, like, let's, we need to do, like, some kind of a duck hunting, not to, not to drink while we duck hunt, <laughs> but a duck hunting beer, right? And um, so he first came at me and he's like, man, I got, I was thinking like your logo on like, you know, plaid, you know, flannel, come up with something cool. And I was like, man, I think like an old, I sent him a couple of gray, uh, old school gray shades. I was like, I think that would be really, really cool. And he, that was what they came up with. But um, yeah, just, just a, a fun little collaboration. I, I make zero dollars on it. So it's just, you know, feather, feather in my cap kind of thing. But it, but it is cool. Um, it, it's, it goes over well. It's, it's a little on the stout side, I think, for mm-hmm. as far as beers go. So it's not it's not a summertime kind of beer. You know, it's at 7.2 percent. Uh, it is definitely a, a cooler weather beer. Um, but I, I, I got to agree with that. I think it, I'm biased, but I think it tastes pretty good. Yeah, no, it's very good. And like you said, it's not it's not something that you want to drink, uh, you know, in the summertime when it's 110 out there and it, you just got in from mowing your, your yard. But it is a nice beer whenever it is a little bit on the chillier side and. Um, like you said, seven, seven percent alcohol. So do you, do you consider is Guinness, would you consider that a stout beer Guinness? That's way stouter than yours. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's, Karen, that's like we, coffee. Uh, Listen to this. Yeah. I'm in the pool in Mexico and I, I met a friend from England, really nice guy. And we were talking and stuff and they were drinking dark beer there also, some Mexican dark beer and they were drinking it. And I said, do you like it? So it's, it's pretty decent beer. I said, uh, do you drink Guinness? Is that he said, Well, that's okay. He said, I like it a little stronger. I didn't know they made a beer stronger than Guinness. <laughs> I think that's called vodka or whiskey, isn't it? Mm. Bur- bourbon whiskey, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a stout ass beer. And he was like, oh, it's kinda you know, I like it a little stouter than that. I did not but, realize. But over there in England and the Scotland and all that, they drink a I guess I get their micro proof beers are a little bit more micro than ours. So what's your, what's your typical day? Like what time are we getting up? What time are we meeting people? What time are we leaving the boat launch? Or is it all very, I, I get up way too early. Oh. I get up way too early. Yep. Uh, usually uh, this year I, I, I was prided myself on beating 
the alarm going off because Karen's right next to me. Respect her sleep, her job. You know, she works very hard. And uh, so I would, you know, I think it went off a couple times at the last split, but basically I'd be, I'd, that was kind of my goal to, to really get out of bed before my alarm went off. But, you know, wake up at 2, 2.15, get out of bed. Jesus. Um, I, I like to take my time. Wow. <laughs> I guess if you, if you really want to roll it back to the beginning, I've always had a fear of being late. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I do not want to be late. And I used to have to drive a little further than what I'm driving currently. But I, I just always worried about being late. I, I, I want to be there waiting on you, not you waiting on me, right? Wherever we're going to meet. So, uh, but anyway, I get, get up way too early. Uh, I do have to, I do have to say, you know, social media is a job. So usually kind of go through, check that all out, do my emails, you know, have a good hour that I'm, you know, just kind of waking up and, and get myself, get myself going. Um, but generally, typically, uh, it's when we see duck hunt, we're not, it's not, you don't need that first flight. It's not the first half an hour. It's not the first 45 minutes. It's done as, as it gets brighter, it gets better. So I'm usually meeting maybe about an hour and a half before sunrise. Uh, and again, just, we're, we're not in any hurry. And, and sometimes people that have not, you know, that have not seen duck hunted before are a little, little gripey at me that like, they feel like we're late because, you know, typically normally the way they duck hunt at home you know, maybe we would be slightly late, but I, I like to be set up hundred percent as the sun is just coming over the horizon. So, you, you know, if we were sitting there right at legal shooting time, would we shoot a duck? Yes. We would have a chance to do that, but especially in that low light, they're flying a foot, two feet off the water. The, you know, they see the boat before they see the decoys and they just kind of steer away around the boat, not flare, but just don't want to run into something in the dark. So that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of, uh, what I, what I believe happens early. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not all, you know, I'm not excited about getting out there super early because it's, you don't need to, because quite often when you do, you sit there and you wait and wait and wait, even to put the decoys out. If it's, if it's over cast or cloudy, you're not going to, you're not going to say, guys, thank you very much. Have a great day. Yeah. Um, that's the hard part to convey to, to tell your hunters is because I, I, there's a lot of times like those early morning singles or something, like I'll miss them. Because I want everything to be done right before the big flight gets there. And I'll sacrifice five or ten birds, the first five or ten birds of the morning. Because um, when the big flight starts coming, I want everything to be dialed in. And if we're five or ten minutes late, well, I mean, there's a bigger picture here, you know. Um, it's kind of the way that I look at it. Now, I mean, I'm not going to be so late that that when the big waves come that we're still scrambling around putting shit up. But... I don't get my tits in a ringer if they're if I'm walking back and there's a bird flying around. Like there's going to be plenty more. What uh, what time do you go to bed at night then? Eight o'clock. I I'd like to get. I'm good to go if I have six hours of sleep. If it's, if it's a little bit less, I'm all right too. Heat and air conditioning guys are leaving. I'm sorry about that. You're sorry. good. Rolling on. Uh, I, I six hours. I'm good to go. I really you know six hours. I'm good to go. And and uh, you know if if I got you know, four or five, that, that works too. But if I get six, I'm, I'm good to go. Are you a napper? I'm, I'm, um, no, no, no. If I go to sleep. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to take a power nap. No, I got uh, oof, six hours, six hours. I can do six hours is probably pretty normal for me. That's your normal time. I bet too. Yeah. Cause I go to bed around nine and then I get up around three thirty, So six and a half, but there's been a lot of nights. I'm kind of like you four or five, but, um, you don't take naps very often either. Uh, I, probably about half the time because a lot of times we're doing podcasts and stuff during my nap nap time. So there's there's 
three days a week that I'm probably getting a nap in. In Oklahoma, I used to get to take a nap. I'd get up when the guides get up, but I wouldn't have to get out of bed till 30 minutes before sunrise or they were already out doing stuff, but I would get to take a nap. At home here, a lot of times I'm at the field right at first light, and but I don't ever take a nap during hunting season. I took a nap in Mexico the other day, and it was freaking great. And that's the first nap I'd had in four months or five. But, man, I'm telling you right now, napping is the way of the guide's life. If you can get an hour nap, but I don't. I can't nap for fifteen minutes. If I'm laying down and closing my eyes, I want to sleep for a couple hours. See, I'm the opposite. I don't want to sleep for a couple hours. Like I want, if I can get, if I can get an hour, I'm good. But I can also function if I can just close my eyes for fifteen minutes. Oh, I can't. That makes me tired as hell. That ruins my day. <sighs> we uh, we hunt. We hunt till eleven if we need to, mm-hmm. and so that gets me back. You know, maybe the house depending. You know, depending on again when we pick up how how fast things move, but you know, get home, want to clean everything up, put a lot of fresh water through the duck boat, and I always find it like like that one o'clock, two o'clock. It, it, there's that little window that like if I can power through that, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. But that would be that one o'clock, two o'clock is where if I was going to take a nap, I would. But like I, if, once I get through it, I'm good to go. That's where mine is too, and that's usually if I'm going to have a nap, that's usually where it is. It's about one thirty because we have lunch out here. Lunch is at noon. That usually runs. 45 minutes, so I'm back home at 1, take a shower, uh, so it's 1.30, 2 o'clock, and then sleep until 3.15. Most of the time, i got to pick up my kid from school, and then we scout at 4, so do, do you kind scout? of that little sweet spot, sweet spot. But you're right, though. If you can just power through that and get to, get to your afternoon, you're golden. And then let me tell you what, you're going to sleep like a fucking champ that night. What, uh, do, you have a, do you have to scout, or do you never scout? For the for the ocean ducks, no. If you want to if you want to call it scouting, Karen and I we'd like to we'd like to take the dogs to the beach. So the inlet parking lot's right there, and you know those the the days leading up to the season starting. It basically, I'm going to pick the line of where they're flying parallel to the beach. What line are they flying? And that's that's what that's really if you want to call it scouting. That's that's what I that's what I need to know. And uh, just it's more of picking. You know, again, early season, most everything is going north to south. Mid-season, you get a good 50-50 mix going both ways. Late late in January, you see more from the south going north, it seems. Um, but for ocean ducks, no. I'm not. There's not much scouting involved. Well, I mean, then it would be – I mean, you'd have to get your boat out, and it'd be a whole production to even scout these things, wouldn't it? Well, and or uh, so some, of the, some of the back bays and the, the, the flatwater spots, if you will, uh, for those windy days. Uh, yeah, I would, I would go – you do need to know where they are there. The birds are – sitting there actually in those areas feeding so it, it is important to get on to get on take a boat ride and, and go see, see what's up see where they're at but again the, the ocean birds where i take it sounds silly or stupid there, there are no birds sitting there. there's nothing there and again like i've had people kind of give me the eye of like well, where are the ducks you know kind of thing <laughs> we take a boat ride and nothing jump we don't there's nothing around us it's like hey, it just takes a while it's it'll, it'll, it'll turn on here it, it usually does it's rare how about this it's rare that they don't fly do you? Uh, how many times a year do you hear a guy say, "I wish I'd have brought my fishing pole out here with me"? Some, sometimes, like on the bay, especially uh, guys that are doing the old work boats, they, you know, the cast and blast, where they're they're going to go. You know, we call them rockfish, but striped bass is a is a big thing in the bay, and uh, you know they will they'll shoot some ducks and 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 go fishing at the same time. Um, but yeah, you, you, hear, you hear that occasionally, but but uh, generally, typically, I, it's really uh, my. The guys that are coming most recently, number one, f- seem to be that they follow along very close to, with what I do, and number two, it's it's a bucket list kind of hunt. They're not. It's not. They're not. We were talking about volume before. 
it's it's yeah they would they want to shoot their limits sure but it's it's more of their seem to be very specific in the birds that they want to they want to either to get something mounted and or to check it off their list that they've shot now do you get many bands whenever you're out there or is are they uh kind of hit or miss since 1994 seven scope seven yeah it's just they don't they don't they're hard to catch i would imagine catch. you get north of us the eider are very you know in maine uh, are very easy to catch so you there's a high concentration of of eider that are banded but um yes yeah, scoter are very few and far between do how many of the ducks like i was in uh oh shit where was that we were at newport rhode island in october and there was a bunch of sea ducks there but I've also been to Salem, Massachusetts, and we stayed at Marblehead, and I saw some ducks in the ocean then in the summertime. Do some of those ducks stay year-round? So what I'm told is, specifically if they were eider, uh, yeah, there's more. the further north you get, there are, again, specifically like the Maine population that, that, uh, that are hatched in Maine, actually that would be like the birds that fly south that we'd see here and or the uh, Rhode Island, Long Island, Rhode Island, Massachusetts birds. Uh, that you, you do see them. I've heard stories out south of us here that they're summertime, June and July, that there have been rafts of scoter that, that were here. I, I've not witnessed it. Um, but uh, the last couple seasons, I got to say, honestly, just waterfowl in general, we've been a little bit on the lighter side. Like the, the right now, if you went to the inlet, you might see a handful of ducks where you should see three, four, five hundred ducks kind of hanging out on both of the jetties. And we just don't see it like we used to. What, where are they going? I, I, I just don't think that they're they're either not coming as far south, much like, uh, well, I'm going to go off. You got to reel me back in because I'll go off on a tangent here. You're but fine. you're talking about canceling trips. I, I basically have canceled any brand, Atlantic brand, a little saltwater goose. I, I didn't shoot one this year, and I canceled all my trips at the end just because there, there were no brand. I believe that they are staying north of us, uh, like on Long Island. The, the pictures and videos that I see there, you know, current during the season – is like how we used to have Brant here. And for whatever reason, whether it's, it's weather-driven where we don't really have winters or we have not had you know harsh winters, um, I, there's two days this year that I can say it was cold. Uh, I, I do walk around in shorts and flip-flops all, all year long, but I mean like single-digit cold kind of thing. And that was our little spike loads that, that had, had no ice, no saltwater ice. Uh, we feed buffalo behind the house and like – we're feeding them and there's very little, you know, numbers are down there. that are coming in when it's cold. If it's cold, you do see a kind of influx of, of birds coming in want to eat. But generally, typically it's, it's just, everything's kind of hanging out, loafing around. And it, it's our, our winters have been much milder than what they were in the past. I had a guy hunting with us the last week of season guys that you hunted and they had just come back from hunting in long Island. And he was telling me that the birds, he said there's an incredible amount of birds they saw on Long Island. Because I, I think that's be a cool place to hunt where you could see the lights in New York City or the buildings in the distance. And that's where they were hunting at somewhere. He said, matter of fact, they were hunting somewhere right at the Hamptons. Hmm. And that's where the brants are hanging up at. I mean, the pictures and video that I see, that's, that's the way we used to have them here. Yeah, it's... We don't have winters no more. No, we have, and we have cold so days, well, we don't have winter. I'm like you. Like I'm trying to think of the days where I hunted, and I was like, shit, it's cold. And it was... They're right before Christmas. No, we were off. No, we hunted that last day. 
right before Christmas, three day, the day before we went to Dallas, we hunted that day and it was cold. We hunted up on the wheat field up wheat up north. Oh yeah, and but even cold. then, it wasn't cold. Cold. Um, the coldest that I can remember was like the last weekend that we hunted. Well, that's not that doesn't do us any good. But 100%. November was really really mild. No, we've had more snow since goose season. And what's today's the 12th of February? 13th. We've been shut down 15 days now. Yeah. And we've had more snow and ice the last 15 days than we had all season. Yeah. Like you've got to get the, you've got to get these fronts in October and November and even a little bit in December. And we just don't get it anymore. Well, that too. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys hear lake effect snow, right? Yeah. If there's all the lake effect snows going on, guess what? That means that the Great Lakes are still open, right? There's there is unfrozen water, so all those times that you know lake effect, lake effect, lake effect, man, birds, I, I'd say don't have a conscience. If they've got food and they've got water, why do they need to fly, you know, three thousand miles? They could fly five hundred miles, right? Right. No, that makes a lot of sense, and I mean, they're in it to uh, you know survive the winter, and if they can get what they need. And Nebraska or even, you know, up around Canada, that's as far as they're going to go. I mean, if it's North Dakota, Montana, Michigan, like they're not going to go any further south than what they absolutely have to go. And if they're getting their resources right there and, you know, there's no snow to drive them, then that's just where they're going to be. And it's, frust- and it's frustrating. So uh, – um, would Maryland is Maryland kind of like where y'all hunt? Is that kind of the end of the flyway for the Atlantic, uh, flyway or do they still, will birds still carry on down to like South Carolina and, and further down? Yeah, I th- I, they go, go further South. Sure. Like specifically for sea ducks. Yeah. I have friends that I have friends that shoot them in Florida occasionally. Right. So it's, it is, but I, I would say generally like the Pamlico sound of North Carolina, that would probably be the, which is. You know, maybe four or five hours south of us still. Uh, that would be the, the the major wintering ground there, you know, north kind of thing. So, you know, Chesapeake Bay holds a lot of birds. Um, and uh, as far as sea ducks goes, so, yeah, I mean, we're, I, th- I would say we're in the central, centralized for the wintering grounds for sea ducks. They, uh, Chesapeake Bay. Ben, that, ben that works for us, he, he lives on St. Simon's Island. Is that what it's called? In Georgia, I think it's St. Simon's Island. Oh, and they shoot sea ducks there. Really? Uh huh. Where does does he have so, to like go out or what? Uh, well, somewhere it's right on the eye. It's in the ocean, but I mean, I don't, I'm sure he goes out a little bit. But I mean, that's where they're at. Brunswick, Georgia, and so, stuff. I, I was words are relative. I've, the older I get, yeah, you know, the more I understand this. For somebody to say they've got a lot, well, that's that's uh, yeah, uh, yes, worth a lot. If, if you if you have zero sea ducks and you see ten, <laughs> we got a lot, right? They're really here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's that kind of thing too, where like you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. It's like, oh, I saw a lot of, you know, I saw a lot of smoogies sitting in the field, or I saw a lot of this or that. Well, like if, if somebody doesn't see, does not see them often, and they see fifty snow geese, yeah, that was a lot of snow geese in that field. Where you know somebody's really, really, you know, hunts them, targeting them, like that's nothing. That's ben, really cool. ben and them, Ben, Ben works for us. He says they have a lot of birds. They have a lot. He just told me they hunt them all the time and they kill them. So I'm assuming they have enough. They have huntable numbers. But you're right. If a farmer calls me up and says I got a lot of geese, I don't put any stock. You know, a gazillion. But if one of my guides tells me or someone that's an outfitter says there's a shoot over there that we've got to hunt, then I know there's a huntable number of birds. But a farmer can have 200 geese on his field and it's just eating him up out of house and home, and that's not enough for us to hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, they're definitely um, again Florida. And it would be the end of the Atlantic flyway, right? At least the United States. That's that's as far as you're going to go south. And there's there are 
there are people that shoot Skoder in Florida, 100%. But is it like on a regular basis, though, or are they just kind of out there and they kind of yeah, got a Skoder? Yeah, like more by chance, right? And that's, right. that's, uh, I, I, people, um, Savannah, or no, I'm sorry, Charleston, Charleston. They said it again, they're saying a lot and they hunt them, but there's a lot of sea ducks and they hunt them. But like, again, like I, I, I would, I would need to see it, uh, yeah. to, 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 you know, to, to believe that there is a quote, a lot. Cause again, what's, what's a lot. If you never see, I, I here's an example, a razor built ock, which basically penguins don't fly. I jokingly say that's a flying penguin as they go by. We don't see a, we don't see a lot. So if we saw 10, wow, that, that was a lot of ock, right? Well, if you go up North of us, there's, there are, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of, of razor built ox. I have so no idea what, what that is. That's that's a cool little seabird, like kind of in the puffin family. But again, if it looks like if a penguin could fly, it's a it's a black and white bird. It looks penguin esque, you know, <laughs> yeah, sort of sort of kind of. And it's called a rosy billed auk. How do you spell the auk? Razor. Razor billed. Yep. A uh, A U K. I'm gonna look them up later. Razor billed auk. I didn't bring. I didn't bring. A little seabird. But again, we don't we don't see, you know we don't this year we did see more, quite often we saw them. We'll say we saw a lot of what we saw. We did see them daily, where it's normally if you see one or two, you know, that that's it's, it was a big deal. Uh, if you remember the uh, Hurricane Sandy, mm -hmm. that hit, OK, that year we did see a lot of razor built ox. It was flock after flock after flock coming at you. They almost look like they could be old squall flying black and white. And as, obviously, as they get close, you see that they're not old squall. But at a distance, a line of birds coming that are black and white, you know, are these old squall kind of thing. And oh. um I think Jeff's trying to pull it up right now. Um, yeah. How much do you get to shoot? Do you ever have a day? And I know that's, I get this question a lot, but I never see yeah. you shooting. Yeah, sea ducks. I, well, first off, and I'm not judging anybody, the guides, like I, 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 there's a couple reasons I don't, I don't shoot. Uh, number one, it's about you and not me. Right. right? Um, I hear stories all the time. Guys sitting in the boat where, yeah, you know, basically we paid this 20 year old to, to hunt and he would, he, he shot mm -hmm. first and then like, Take them. Like he emptied his gun. He's like, <laughs> are you going to take them? <laughs> kind of thing. Right. And it's, it's, I hear, I've heard that over the years. Um, I, I don't, my, my limit, I don't want my limit ever to come in play. My limit's not for sale. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I've had some experiences where people case their guns and said, all right, Jeff, how much to shoot your limit kind of thing. None. So uh, I don't know. Maybe they just had a lot of money. Maybe somebody was, checking up to see, you know, see right. how, see what I do, how I do. Um, but I, it's been years, especially with sea ducks. It's been years that I, I've, I would, I've taken a gun to shoot. Uh, Brant, I like to shoot Brant. If you guys shot your limit, Hey, can we hang out a couple minutes and, you know, I, let me shoot a couple kind of thing. Um, but I, I just never actively shot with, with my parties. And, um, back when the cameras were bigger, I've always, I've always shot the camera, whether it was still camera or video camera, but, um, you know, I kind of, I'm, I'm into with specifically for the sea duck hunts. I'm, I'm, I'm all about filming it or taking pictures of it versus, uh, you know, killing them. I don't think I shot a, I bet I didn't shoot two boxes of shells this year. Boy, I did. When? The times I went hunting, I burned up the powder. Uh, you only hunted twice. I didn't. How many times did you hunt? Five times this year. We duck hunted. We teal hunted. I didn't get to shoot then because I was running. The I dog. went on a couple of goose shoots and I shot a bunch. You shot. You went on Steve Barber and with with Bucky Nail or Gus West party. Yeah. Excuse me. Okay. I hunted those two goose hunts. Yeah, but and that, then I those duck are hunted. those guys are like family though. 
Well, I still shot. I wasn't counting. I didn't. She was like, oh, but I, I shot was, a shitload of dope loads. You were dicking around. I had to work. Well, those yeah, days. I wasn't working. I don't work. I'm the boss. I had to, I had to work those days. So. I, I, I'm the pit boss at Knox City, so mm. I don't have to work. I got to go. I just got to hunt. Yeah. I shot a shitload. Boss has got a new dove load coming out, and that freaking is amazing. And I shot the shit out. I of I was dove. talking about waterfowl. Oh, not 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 dove. Okay. Well, I shot more this year than I've shot in a long time. I did do that. I had a good time. Yeah. Well. Good for you, Jeff. And I'm going to come up there, and I'm going to see a rose bill, a razor-billed auk now. Jeff, I've seen those birds before. I looked them up. I've it seen it those does before. look like a little penguin, like a That's baby penguin. I, yeah, because I say, it's a flying penguin. I was like, then I have to say, hey, no. Jeff did not say penguins fly. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure somebody, hey, well, Jeff, Jeff said there were penguins flying around. No, oh, okay, I, I got another question now. Yes, sir. I don't eat duck. I did have duck in Mexico, and it was really good. But it was real fat, and we don't have – it was cooked different. It was not a – typical west texas mallard or whatever you shoot it which a lot of people love to eat them i'm not a big duck connoisseur do them sea ducks eat worth a shit or they're not very good to eat they're not fishy they're going to be they're they're eating clams and mussels so they're high protein they're very iron rich blood so if you want to say they're livery they're, they're going to be they're going to be in, the, in that that realm of of uh taste your taste zone if you will right well my dad would have uh, loved them yeah, it's just they're 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 very edible. If you if you soak them and get the blood out of them, they're they're again they're when you when you breast them out, man, they are some dark dark meat, right? So you, if you take the time to breast them out, they're not fishy. They're just going to be kind of strong on that on that iron rich blood side of things. How do you cook them? Make them the best? To, do you cook them ever? We do. Um, Karen's all about Karen, my wife. She's all about anything that she's going to shoot. We're going to eat. So she came up with two really good recipes. Um, well, one recipe, the, the one's old school recipe from Donald Hughes way back in the day. Basically, you soak them out. If, well, here's lingerie one. If you're going to freeze these things, you've got to freeze them in something. You can't freeze them dry. So, you know, put them in a Ziploc, freeze them in water, you know, buttermilk, whatever, but you, you can't freeze them dry. That's, they're not, they aren't going to be good. So if you froze them in, froze them in water, thaw them out, again, get the blood out of them. So, uh, chunk them or strip them in it in marinate overnight in Italian salad dressing. Mm -hmm. And then locally here, we have house altery seafood breading, not, not a batter, but a breading dry, put them in that. And man, just pan fry them, deep fry them or pan fry them to medium. Do not overcook them. They're very edible. I used to do a, uh, a degrees decoy museum. They had their, their weekend show in May, uh, for one of the contests, the rig contest we floated out on, right on the flats there. We kind of do a little tailgate, uh, everybody brings something. And, and, uh, one year I brought Scoter, which I was told you couldn't eat scoter and they're, they're gobbling these things up. All right, Jeff, what is this? I'm like, it's, that's surf scoter, man. Like, there's no way this is, it is surf scoter. <laughs> it is. Um, but I think the rewind, the big thing is if you freeze, the, if you're not going to eat them fresh, if you freeze them, you got to freeze them in some liquid. Do not freeze them dry. Now, what was this breading? And can you can only get it in Maryland, you said? Uh, no, I think it's a more more of an East Coast house, altry. Okay. I was going to see Alt if I could find it maybe down yeah. here, but. If it's an East Coast I, thing, Amazon you can find. I'm sure. Oh, okay, yeah, Amazon yeah. has everything. Hundred percent. And you just do that, and then Italian dressing, and then put a little bit of breading, and that's yep. the thing that most people do. Is, and it's be, they overcook their duck and goose, and I yep. don't know why. Like everybody, any recipe that I've ever read about duck or goose says medium rare. But how much it, fat? How much fat is in that meat? Yeah, exactly. None. Zero. Zip. <laughs> Like, and if, if you if you cook this past medium, it's gonna be like shoe leather. 
But people, I don't know what it is that if there's a little bit of uh, pink in the middle, that they're this wild animal. They're like, oh, I, I can't eat that. Might have something. What the fuck are you talking so about? So you cooked that in May. You said it had to grace. There is there is there a big contest there in May? The a decoy contest. Well, it is their uh, it's their annual show. It's the show years back was was huge. It's gotten much smaller over the years. Um, but the one one uh, the working bird contest they were float they floated them right out in front of the museum on the Susquehanna Flats. Susquehanna River comes down, form is the flat where it enters the Chesapeake Bay is called the Susquehanna Flats, and uh, kind of a big sediment sediment basin type thing. Very that's where the body booting takes place. If you're I'm sure you've heard of yes, stand with that's where that's where you body boot. But uh, yeah, um, we would uh, there's a, a, a big decoy show there. It's always the first weekend in May. And uh, there's there's some decoy contests that are related to the show also. That is a cool place. If if you have not been there, everybody needs to go see it one time at least. That is an amazing amazing museum. museum. Yes, it's absolutely incredible. I loved it. Really great place. And that's a cool town. That whole I love all the East Coast anyways. All the history. Another town that I really like is Cape May, New Jersey. Just kind of out of the way. You got to be going there to go there. But that is a if especially if you like to see old houses and architecture. It's a beautiful town. Probably the Victorian, prettiest town I've been. Victorian. Oh yeah, it's. I put it up there. I put it above Charleston, South Carolina, and New Orleans. With old, that's how much I thought of that town. That's really neat to see that Norman Rockwell type of uh, of homes everywhere. Agreed. That whole that whole South Jersey shoreline is 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 very. I mean, some of it's developed. Yes, Wildwood, Notion City, that type of thing. Obviously, Atlantic City too. But there's some small little towns in there. We used to go to one just north of Cape May called Seattle City. Had a boardwalk that was like only three blocks, three blocks long. It wasn't, it wasn't really a thing there. But there's a whole Avalon's there, um, Stone Har- uh, Stone Harbor, I think it is. There's a bunch of different little, really little towns uh, on that in that Cape May County, the South Jersey Shore there. I think so many people they don't they think of New, like Jersey. I always thought of New York City, New Jersey, of Trenton and all that shit. And when you go to New Jersey and you actually get out and it's always, it's called the garden state. Well, when you get outside of New York city, you understand why it's a beautiful place. It's like the Eastern shore of Maryland. It's a beautiful, beautiful area of our country that a lot of people have not seen. You need to get out and see more of this stuff. Andy. I understand. I do. You do. You work too much. You got, you got me in a hole. Um, did you go, you go to the, uh, world calling contest every year. What was the turnout, uh, like that? Tell you what, post COVID, it's been really good. Has it's it? It's been really good. Yes, it's been. Uh, it's just the past two years. It's it's been very very busy. Uh, I, I basically go there. With Molly's uh, Molly Sporting Goods puts up their own tent. They 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 sponsor a lot of things there, and uh, so I'm kind of there to you know with Molly's. Uh, but the the pavilion, the Sportsman's Pavilion, was kind of an open air midway between the uh, high schools where the calling contest takes place. Uh, so kind of between the high school and the Elks Lodge is is where the Sportsman's Pavilion is. And again, it's just kind of an open air, open air event uh, in the past two years, man. It's just been special on Saturdays. It, it's been, again, words are relative, but it, it's been very, very busy, very full. That's really good because I was, uh, you know, when you look at Jeff's dogs barking in there. When you look at calling contests as a whole, like everything's just kind of fizzling out. So it, that's good that everybody has uh, started going to this thing again because you'd hate for that to go away. I mean, my goodness, you're talking about just this history rich calling contest, and we need people. We need more people to to go to these things and support these things. Otherwise, you know, there could be a time where they don't exist anymore. 
hundred percent. I do believe the, uh, the the amount of callers definitely is, is I think it's on the on the, the short list of, of how many are really there. Short list, shorter. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? There's fewer callers. How about that? Yeah. But the show itself is is still it's it's it's, it's actually grown. I believe in the past two years, definitely. That's good. Um, so what are we going to do now? Spring is, uh, right around the corner. What, uh, what's on the, what's on the pit boss agenda for until hunting season gets here. I'm looking, we're looking at it <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I was pretty much, uh, this is, again, this has been a project that's, it's been, it's, I've had a lot of fun with it. Karen's had a lot of fun with it. Uh, you know, I did, I did kind of step, step on my, myself there a little bit, kind of like I said earlier. So it's been a little bit on the slower side of things. Um, but yeah, I, uh, just trying to go, try to get this done. I need to get it done. Uh, there's a lot of debt involved with this. So there's, we, we need to, we need to try to, you know, fix some of that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully part of what this is, I've always wanted a place to keep the dump boat indoors. So that's, that's number one, but number two, this should helpfully, hopefully, excuse me, helpfully help me become more, uh, I, I can't say with a straight face because Karen's on me all the time about being organized and get clutter out of my life. But hopefully, it be, helps me become more productive carbon decoys. There's a there's a a 20 foot white and car white enclosed car trailer sitting next to me. The current living situation, I, I could not have it right on the water. Uh, the the community there's there's no the shed would be uh, 200 square feet. If I could have a shed there, there's really no place to carve at our current current address, current location. I used to carve, my shop was at my mom's, so that worked out very well. She's since sold that, she lives with us, so I lost I lost my carving shop, and uh, so this is gonna be come car. I'm, I'm, I'm long-winded to say I'm, I'm going to become dedicated much, what am I trying to say? I'm gonna carve more decoys is what I'm trying to say. There you go. We're going all in on the carving <laughs> of the decoys then. <laughs> Hundred percent, hundred percent. Somebody, uh, somebody yeah. bought some decoys from you just the other day. That's a friend of mine because uh, he sent me a message. Uh, maybe Lucas. What did Lucas Bellinger buy some decoys yes. from you? Yes. Yes. He did. Yes. 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 Yeah, he yes. sent me a picture. I think I was in Mexico. He sent me a picture of it. Lucas yeah. did. Now, can people uh, can people order decoys from you, or are we not there just yet? No, no. Let's let's do it. If anybody wants any decoys, please. I always I always try to make a couple extra anyway, so I've always got some singles. Um, but, uh, one dozen scoter turned into two dozen scoter. I just got a deposit on those. So, um, in the past, I have not been as uh, active or interested to get deposits because as soon as you get a deposit, then there is, there is a, uh, a timeline there that I need to get these things done. So I'm, I'm much more of a, Andy say, Hey, Jeff, I want you to make me these. Well, let me make them first and then we'll settle up after the fact versus, you know, me take a deposit and, and, uh, you know, and, and try to be a little more, um, Sort of use, um, it's not serious because I am serious about carving, but but uh, kind of falls back to the organization. <laughs> I, I'm not organized. I need Karen to come work for us full time. And when she does, then I'll be more organized. You, <laughs> basically, you've got more area now to un, to clutter up is what you've got. That's what she's worried about. <laughs> she is. Uh, Chris the builder, he he comes in all the time. He's like, dude. He says, you do have a lot of stuff. <laughs> he says, you really do. I said, well, Chris, I still got the two-car garage of homes full. I still, I still have the storage units that are full. <laughs> like, he said, why do you, you know, I, I, I said to myself the other day, like, why do I have all these decals? I actually did say that. And like, I just like shook my head. There's, there's boxes up in the back. 
can't see because the boat's in the way. There, I have boxes of wooden decoys that are in plastic bags that I know I haven't touched in 15, 18 years. Like, why do I have that? Right. So I just got to. They're for sale. If anybody, <laughs> if anybody wants them. To give them. Give them your number or how you want them to get a hold of you. <laughs> My number four one. My phone. I tell people my phone is always on text or talk. So, four one zero nine three seven four zero three four. And or if you Google my name, and I'll probably be the first thing that pops up. This is uh, this is like if Ron Stanfield was a carver. Yeah, Dad would have been just like this. Have stuff everywhere. But I'm like that to a certain extent because um, I feel bad because the house that we the house that we live in it does not have a whole lot of closet space, and I somehow have two and a half closets of just shit. But I get I, I get a lot of hoodies, and you know I'm like, oh, I could wear that one day, and you know I've got hunting clothes. I got a hunting closet. I got a regular closet. My poor wife has like half of a closet, and she's got more shit than I do. Karen's from Australia. She could, she's got, she, she could leave tomorrow. Like she'd be, <laughs> would, wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, she'd be good. Her suitcase, you know, she'd be happy to go. I, I would not be. Like I need, <laughs> I need, I need my shit. I need it. That's an American thing. I guess. I, guess. It, I don't know. It, it is. I mean, I'm telling you right now, Americans are so used to excess of everything we have that people right, from other places don't grow up with all that. So they appreciate, they have just a little bit of stuff. Would, would, would you like a tour? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure maybe I maybe I shouldn't do this. No, Karen absolutely. So, like, I just have, like, I just have shit. I have way too much, man. But like, like, why? why uh, I I don't know. Um, but decoys, we have plenty. We have plenty of decoys. If anybody's interested, oh, those there's, are beautiful. Uh, those are beautiful. There's some old, some old Atlantic Donald Hughes mounted those for me. Maybe 18 years ago. I like. Why should I throw those away? You shouldn't. No, I'm not, and I'm not going to. But yeah. uh, like up, I don't know if you can see how far you can see up there. Yeah. But that's there's just like that's where those that's where the decoys are in boxes that I I they were just wrapped, and I mean I just I have I just have way too much shit. You're gonna get a lot of people. You're gonna get a lot of people reach out to you about buying decoys now. Oh, that's nice. So, um, th this is there is some organization there. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm you're organized. You just got a lot of shit. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying to be, but uh, you know, there's. I, I just, I, I just have a lot of shit. So now, tell me about those brants that were down there. The, the, those Old were stuffers. stuffers that you would take out. How big of a pain in the ass were those to baby? Uh, well, if you Donald Hughes is uh is my mentor. If I, I can say this, Jeff and Andy, if if I did not meet Donald Hughes, you guys would not know who I am. Really? 100%. Yeah, just he taught me the inter internet back in 1994. Oh. Um, I could go off on a tangent, but here, let, let's look at the, the brand first. But now he, he made everything he shot, he ate. And uh, Canada geese, he had three rigs of, he called them mounts. He had three rigs of mounted birds. He did them. You know, they're not, they're not done to, you know, any uh, high taxidermy standard. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, he had three rigs that we hunted over all the time. He left them out. He left them out. He was, um, left, let them sit out for the, the 30 days, the 45 days, whatever, you know, whatever the season was back then. And, um, something got messed up. He'd pull this, pull the skin off, reuse that body and put a, you know, he just got skin out another bird and put it right back on. And so, he would just uh, leave them out there in the element. Yep. Really? Donald was, uh, he was kind of, you know, uh, 
he would tell you, if he was here, he would tell you that he was you know disabled. He he liked to set stuff up. Sorry about that. Right. He'd like to set set stuff up and just make it easy. You know, he, he hunted every day. Wow. So if, if reel me back in if you need to. But Donald Hughes was an original uh, blogger before people were really doing this. He had his thing, Donald's Daily Deeds. And again, this was in like 1994-95. And he would set he had a web page and he had a little map. And if, if you kind of learned his where his spots were. Basically, he, he hunted, unless it rained, he hunted every day, and he would write about what, what he did, what he saw. He would say, hey, I'm at Hard Scrabble, you know, with, with Jeff and um, Bill to George or, you know, whomever. And he, he, had, he, he had it online and or you know, if you wanted to sign up to his email list, he, he emailed you this every day, what he did. And uh, he, he's the man that taught me the Internet back in the day. Uh, as I like to say, you know, fast film development back then was two days. Mm-hmm. It wasn't dig- wasn't digital cameras, right? So after you got it, the film developed, you needed to, to scan it. I didn't know what a scanner was. He told me how to scan it. So now you got this picture scanned. What do you do? It's a file, right? Well, now you need to upload it to a server somewhere. What's that? Well, that's so that when you know, the Internet pulls it down, that it's out there floating around, right? There was a little picture icon that you hit to, to post it. He taught me how to uh, HTML code. Uh-huh. You had to know the code to, to type in and put the picture's address in there to put pictures on the internet, you know, back in the day. And that's, I, I was, you know, I did that like uh, from his knowledge and his, his him helping me, him, his tutelage, how about, uh, I'd be on forums posting up pictures. Like somebody say, hey, we shot 200 snow geese today, typing it out, right? Wow. We shot five and here's a picture of it kind of thing, right? So I, I was heavy into pictures way back in the day. And again, it's from Donald Hughes. He, he taught me, he said he was full of useless knowledge that, man, I, I loved his knowledge. <laughs> so you had to know how to code to post a picture on the internet back in the day. Back in the day. Oh, shit. Yeah. HTML code. Fuck. Like brackets and IMG under, underscore something, something, something. And then the actual HTTP address to the picture. And you had to put ending on it. And uh, uh, there's what it was, Hoosier Jim's. Uh, Jim Burnham's duck blind mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And then that kind of spun off to the refuge forums. And again, like now they, they have the little icon that you'd, you'd hit it. But back then they, that they didn't, that you know, tech, they weren't um, maybe the coding, the forums weren't able to do that. Right. Except if you knew how to write HTML code, you could, you could post pictures. Now who taught him or was he just kind of self-taught, just learning yeah, it on his own? Kind of self-taught when I, when I met him, um, when I met him, he, man, a simple means. His, his, you walked in and saw his computer. His tower was off of it. It was all exposed because it ran hot. And, you know, it's just. Uh, Ron Stanfield. He, he, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this, and this would have been, again, like in the mid, mid-90s or so. Uh, Donald was, was in, in his 60s, I guess. Then. It's, it's and crazy. He passed away in 2000. It's crazy people like that. My dad was the first person I knew to hit email. Right, and if you didn't know my dad, you'd never thought he would be an email person. But he was the first one to have an email. Here, give him my email address. Who the fuck's going to email you? I don't even know what I don't have an email. I don't even know what one is. Right? Yeah, give him your website. I don't have a website, Dad. I don't even know what that is. And and, and so this guy's the same way. It's but they're way ahead of their time on some of that stuff. That's that's crazy. Them so, stuffers. He leaves them out year or the whole season because everyone I know that hunts over stuffers put, brings them in because they want them to get right. wet. They baby they, them. That's why I yeah. was asking how big of a pain in the ass was it to baby those stuffers. But 
Not at all. Well, I think too, if you're if you're spending good money to have, I would agree. If you, if you pay somebody to mount these birds for you, you've got a lot of money invested in. So I, I can understand that, right? But like Donald would be, he would just again, whatever we shot, skinned it out, and you know if he didn't mount them, then he froze them, and and you know, when the season was over in spring, he he, he put them, he started mounting birds up again, right? But he was, was his own. I guess it would be like me with decoys. I really don't. My decoys get shot, whatever, whatever. We can fix them or whatever. But if right. If if you're buying them, you have maybe a little more, uh, you have more of a conscience of how you're going to treat them. Right. Think birds got decoy shy to stuffers? No, well that was my next question. Do birds get decoy shy over stuffers? Not to my not to my opinion. No. So they always will. They'll they'll do it if you're hunting I, if you're hunting the X, obviously. Yeah, a couple times we uh, we do a frame a frame blinds that were just right out in the middle of fields. Yeah. And we would kind of play around with like, again, so we talk about the snow goose tires, right? We had tires that were just, just black. You, you didn't do anything to them, cut them in half, flip them. And, and we, we'd kind of play around with like putting some tires off, some silhouettes off and some, you know, some mounts over here. And generally, typically the birds wanted to go to the, if they had the choice of those, they would go to the mounts. And, or you'd walk out again, they're, they're left out. Right. So I, I would, I got it in the morning my sea ducks and I would hang out, wait for the afternoon, the afternoon flight kind of thing at last hour or, or so. And if you went, went out there and a lot of times you walked out and there's birds asleep in the decoys. Really? They just, yeah, just hunkered down. You would think that you could use a, a dozen, I don't care where you hunt at, small geese, little geese, whatever. You'd think that a dozen stuffers or mounters or whatever you want to call them would work perfect because every big flock of birds starts out with a dozen birds or the first dozen land and they pull in everything else. So that should work perfect. Get a dozen stuffers out here then. They're a pain Big in the ass dick. to deal with. Pain in the ass. <laughs> we got more. We got tons of space here. We'll put them up. We'll take care of no, them. No, I'm talking about you guys dealing with them. If it's just 12, ain't that bad. Take two guides. I can, we can, we'll figure I've it out. Got, I've got a dozen different geese that are mounted around here. We just take them out. Just take them out. Yeah, just take our mounters I got out. A, I got a couple of brants even. They're full body. Ah, they, won't, they won't know. <laughs> they won't know. They're going to want to land. They don't give a shit if it's a brant or a... You know, we've shot brants out here before. Yep. So before I get nice. off here with you, you go to Prince Edward Island every year, right? In October. We do. And we do, yes. And that's your fun, just your time, right? Yeah. Um the one one year, how did we get there? Uh it is the only place on the East Coast that I know that you can consistently go and kill Bears Goldeneye. So my my first trip was back in December of twenty eleven. Yeah, twenty eleven. That was my first trip up. Um, and they, they kind of like laughed at me. I, I went with a good friend of mine, Jeff Wood, but all everybody else is concerned about black ducks, mallard, and specifically geese. Black ducks, you in their six bird limit, you can shoot six black ducks there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of black ducks. Um, but you know, I'm going to go shoot a bear's golden eye. Everybody kind of laughed at me, like, why? Well, why are you going to go shoot a golden eye? You know, the guys that were there, guys that were there. But uh, spin it forward. The uh, year I hosted uh, Migration Nation TV there for a little while. Uh, we did do uh, that was that was a trip we filmed. Uh, Karen went up with me and just had a great time. We weren't there you know more than a week, and she's like, "Man, I, I'd love to come back here and do this again, like just to come up and like go on vacation kind of thing." And it's just turned that's what it's turned into. So, do we hunt? Yes, we do, but it's not it's not about hunting. It's just about going and having fun. How far is that from you? Seventeen and a half hour drive. You were there last year when I was in upstate New York because I was seeing your stuff on Instagram. Y'all were there at the same time, like mid, late, mid-October? Yes. Yep. Yep. And that's just uh, kind of your vacation before the craziness starts. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's uh, this year actually because of the way the new season is, I w- we would go before Sea Duck started, but now we have a week in October duck season, two weeks in November, mid December, the end of January is our regular duck season. So this year we went in kind of in the in that first break between I'd hunted a week and went up, and then we came back and started hunting again. It's hard to believe you can drive 17 hours north of you and not be in oh, Greenland. Shit, that's a long ass <laughs> drive. God Almighty, it, it, it's a journey. We. Uh, we just kind of bite the bullet and going up, we're excited about doing it. Right. So it's easy to get there in one drive coming home. It's a little, little more challenging, you know, just cause we're not as excited about coming home. So where, where do you cross the border at there? Um, um, uh, St. John, uh, St. Andrew, St. Andrew. So basically go to Bangor and head, head East. And it's, it's right there. Uh, Callis is the town, but the, the, there's two crossings there. And uh, St. Stephen is the uh, the crossing we go across. One of my bucket list trips is to fly, is to drive, go to Maine. I was hoping we was going to do it this summer, but Andy and Jesse nixed this idea. We were going to rent a house up on the northern part of Maine this summer, and then I wanted one day to drive all the way to St. John's and to the Bay of Fundy just to see it. So I would love to do that trip. How did I shoot this in the foot? Your wife said it's too far a drive from the airport to the house to stay for a week. How far is it? It was like, uh, I think from uh, Portland, Maine, it was a, about a four-hour drive. Oh, yeah, that's way too far. See, See just, the thing is, I've got a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. We don't want to fly all day and then have another four-hour car ride. That That's that's pretty difficult with children. So, anyways, they, they took my bucket that list away a, from that, me for this ooh, summer. You and Mom go next we, year. Jeff, we probably will. The Bay, the Bay of Fundy is a must-see, Jeff. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm, and It's in the next couple of years. And it may be – well, this fall we're going to Michigan. It'll be the fall after that when we do that trip. But I want to I want to go, for, or I may just do it in the summer without the boys, without the kids and grandkids. But I do want to see the Bay of Fundy. The the homes there look beautiful. They're all painted. The it just looks like a pretty place. The um, it's been I think they I think they shut it down last year or the year before. They, they used to have a special February eider season, eider, and uh, two 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 Februarys I went up. The Bay of Fundy, the spot that we we gunned, the tide was thirty five feet, Dude. and that's. That's six feet in an hour. Like you, you could, you actually saw like you're sitting there on rocks and, and the water is rising while you're sitting there. It's that, it's that much, that, that much of a change. And that's every day, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Th- every day. Jeez. There's some place up there that has a 50 degree, a 50 foot every day. The sea goes up and down Son 50 feet. Bitch. So the- we were down like at the mouth. The, the tide wasn't quite as severe, but yeah, the further you get up in the Bay of Fundy, the further East you go or Northeast you go, yeah, the tides do get even crazier. And you just see the boats and the bays just sitting on dry ground. Yep. And then you go back night and they're floating. Really? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I want to see that, that dramatic. So yep. Wow. Do you have any bucket lists, uh, any bucket list places that you want to go to? I think that uh, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, I got some friends there. I, w- I would like to go shoot. I'd like to go shoot geese and paradise duck in New Zealand. And uh, Black Brant in Mexico is high on my list. The I'm not, mods, I'm not, we're, go. We're going to do that trip probably next February, Andy and Jesse and me and Michelle. Andy and Jesse don't know this yet or Michelle, but I think we're going to do the <laughs> we're going to do the honeymoon hunt shoot in Mazatlan probably next year. I don't know. Yeah. What, you, just, you just pull out days. Well, I know what I'm, I've got planned. Fuck around. Merry Christmas. No, that's not going to be my career. I'm not wasting that on, on Christmas. To go to Mozzalon? That would be awesome. Jeff, you, you're wanting to go too much. You're going to hurt yourself. 
You're already sunburned. You only live once, right, Jeff? 100%. 100%. I do want to go to New Zealand, though. Yep. I always tell people, I, I, I want to be here next week, but there's no guarantee I'm going to be here next week. So Have fun that week. Now. That's right. That's let's exactly right. Let's do it now. Have you ever seen an armored car at a funeral home with the guy's money in it? No. You ain't taking that shit with you. It's not about money. It's about I've got two little children that uh, keep me very busy. You could not have done a lot of these trips I whenever did. you had three boys in the house. That's right, but I don't now. But you're dragging me along with you. With you. If Ron would have came to me and said, Jeff, I want you and Michelle to go to Mexico with me and I'm paying for everything, I'd have been like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll find a place for the grandkids. They got another set of grandparents. I told Julie, my in-law, I told her at the game Saturday at Reese's baseball game, I said, or basketball, I said, listen, we got a lot of shit we're going to be doing this summer. Me and Andy are traveling for work, and Jesse's going to go, so you're going to be babysitting a lot this summer. So mm, she's been told right. already. Mm. Well, Dra- Jeff, dragging it, me along. With it you. has been a wonderful podcast, my friend, and I look forward to seeing you this fall. If I don't run into you somewhere between now and then, cart before the horse. I, you have a cool deal. I wish people would reach out to you, buy some of these decoys, make Karen happy, and help him clean <laughs> take, up his. Take barn. him off of Jeff's hands. <laughs> yes, we need help. It's an intervention. You're you're saving Jeff Coates. Karen says it's it's genetic, and my mom's a hoarder, and it's, it comes genetic. Yeah. It's probably a lot of truth to that, but you got good stuff to hoard. You know what? You got a lot of cool shit. To you, hoard, you do though. have a lot of cool shit, and somebody, some young guy around you is like, "Well, I know Jeff kicks the buckets. I'm gonna buy that shit for cheap." She I mean, it, get rid of all that stuff. It's not like you're saving up pop cans or anything yes. like that in the corner. So, I mean, you got a lot of cool shit that you're saving. So I get your hesitation on letting some of these things go. But I'm like, yeah. I think that's just a waterfowlers thing. Like you, you always see this thing. And you're like, ah, I bet I could use that one day. You never do, but you think you can. What? If, I I could use it probably. I, absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. We got shit down in the barn right now. I look at it now, and I'm like, ah, we should probably throw that away. But then I'm like, but you never know. There might be this day that I'm gonna wish that I had it. So we hang on to it for no reason at all. So I'm with you. But anyway, it has been a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Uh, Have a great spring and summer, and we will get through these dog days one way or another, I guess. September 1st will be right around the corner. It is. Thank God. I'm ready for it already. It's not far away. So 15 days done, and I'm ready for it to start again. I I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Absolutely. If there's anything we can do for you in the future, just let us know, all right? Thank you, thank you. Same with me. Thank yes, you, sir. Jeff. You have a great day. Bye, bud. Same to y'all. Interesting, interesting man. Jeff That little town, that, that have to grace where he's at is so cool. I mean, I'm telling you, it's a whole different. There's there's regions in our country that have waterfowl deals, like the southern Louisiana, all the duck clubs that are down there, the duck camps, they call it. And then you go to uh, the places on the Mississippi in the Missouri River where they have the duck clubs. But that area up there is so historic with their waterfowl hunting. Yeah. Everybody needs to go see the Have to Grace Museum. Yep. I've got a couple of Jeff's decoys here at the lodge. Y'all need to contact him about getting some decoys. He's He'll make you a deal. Make you some cool deal. He'll make you a deal. And the, the brand I've got of his right now, you can see bullet holes in it. Really? And I love it. Yeah. It's got... Somebody's been shot. That's what I want. I'm just looking at the Job. Bird's got a lot of history. The Job. We got a lot of, you know, for this rinky-dink little podcast we started, we got a lot of cool shit. We do. Got a Job trophy from Trevor Shanahan. Love him. I'd like to know how he did. I should have asked Jeff how Shanahan shot on the boat. Oh, did Shanahan hit with him? He did, yeah. I I think he went when uh, Dirty Duck was up there. 
Oh, we didn't even talk about that. I forgot all about that too. Damn it! I was going to ask him about that yeah, too. Fuck Jeff. You I'll see the boys. Up. I'll see them guys in uh, Nashville this week. Because so. you know Shanahan, he's this uh, big, big uh, shooter. Yep, big so time shooter. I got to imagine he did pretty well. I'm sure. I will, I will laid the hammer down. He won't be at Turkey, will he? Probably not. I'll talk to I'll talk to Jay and Buck and ask them. See how it went. Yep. Anyways, y'all come I'm out to Turkey. I'm going to bring extra shells if we do this. Y'all come out to Turkey and see us this year. All our a lot of our sponsors are there. Come by and see every Shin one of them. Pacific Boss, Gundog, Gundog, Dirty Duck said they'll be there. Correct? Yes, Dirty Ducks right next to Boss. I yeah. will be working in the Boss booth, so come buy some shells from me. Uh, Dirty Ducks there. Uh, Pacific Pacific's Boss. gonna be there. I talked to Nathan from Hunt Proof. They're gonna be walking around. They'll be there also. They won't, they don't have a booth, but they will be there. So, anyways, come by and see us. Uh, talk to you later. Thank y'all for listening to us. God bless you and have a great week. Bye. Bye. Go check out our sponsors and listen. If you're in the Nashville area, go to uh, Turkey Fest. Sounds like it's going to be a great time. Wish I could go. Uh, check out Lucky Duck, Looking Glass Podcast, the Hunt Proof App, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, Bangtail Whiskey, Stanford Hunting Outfitters, Dirty Duck Coffee, Ducks Unlimited, Double T British Kennels, Shin Gear Waiters, not just a waiter company, Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, and Mossbergs.